Live from Kalaloo Studios in New York City, you are listening to Let's Take It Offline with your host, Kishana Palmer. Hey, Fab Crew. You're listening to Let's Take This Offline, the podcast for everyday leaders. Part inspiration, part sit down. Let's have a conversation. Here's where you'll find the real deal about living well and leading well. I'm Kashana Palmer, your host and resident leadership whiz. And now let's take this offline. What's up, what's up, what's up, y'all? We are back for another episode. Ooh, y'all, today, today is a juicy one. Okay, friends, I don't know about you, but um, I am madly in love with all of the made up Hallmark holidays. Is that like a true confession kind of thing? I love everything. I mean, I am Valentine's Day. I am Donut Day, Boss's Day, name a day, pick a day, any day. I like all the days. Okay. And I am... So I'm laughing because um, I was talking with my uh, child, you know, the queenager the other day about um, holidays and the fact that um, we just recently made it through Valentine's Day and she has been my Valentine for, you know, the last 15 years of her life. Um, And it's so funny because like when she was little, Y'all, it'd be little things like, you know, she'd make me all the cutout hearts and they'd be so sweet. The mommy, I love you cards, you know, the little things I'd hang up in my office. And then at the book fair at school, I would get the mommy bracelet that, you know, turns orange in two months. And then I'd give her little gift baskets with chocolate and, you know, games and um, when she was younger, you know, you have to give out all of the uh, Valentine's to every little child in the class, even the ones who don't deserve it because they're badasses. But I would do all of that. And so as she's gotten older, y'all, first of all, she should just be grateful for everything she received. And now she is getting a little ungrateful. Now she has a list. Who has a list for Valentine's Day? I was like, you know, something is not right here. And although the queenager is not quite at the dating age just yet, you know, we have agreed that 16 in the house is when I am willing to entertain this conversation. So mommy is it, you know, uh, right now it's her Valentine. But I was like, I'm sorry. When did we start getting requests for Alex and Ani and sneakers and cute things from Fashion Nova? I'm like, first of all, is this Christmas? And she's like, yeah, but mom, didn't you say you love these Hallmark holidays? I'm wondering where, um, where are my things? Where are my gifts? <laughs> uh, needless to say, you know, she's an only child. And so although she didn't get everything on her list, you know, I had to hook her up. So um, I was thinking about that as I was preparing for uh, our episode today, because today we are going to talk about money. Y'all, we are going to talk about money and our relationship with money. And it is so important for us to have this conversation really early on, because as we think about our work as everyday leaders, I know a lot of y'all listening to me are in 
professions where you are talking with folks about money all day long. So whether you're a professional fundraiser or you're in sales or you're in finance or you're in the service industry where you are talking to folks about doing a thing, taking an action where money is a tool in order to get that thing done. Each of us are immersed in the business of money every single day. And so I thought it would be just just so timely as I just came off of getting shook down by my funny Valentine, also known as my kid, the queen ager, to talk about money. So I spent most of my career as a professional fundraiser, which is not quite what I thought I would be doing when I left business school. So after a brief stint in investment banking, I came out of B-School searching for Oh, you know, more. Y'all have that? Anybody have is in a career right now where you were like, oh, I just I just wanted more. More what, y'all? But I wanted more. And that landed me in the nonprofit sector. I was looking for meaning in my work. I wanted to do something that I felt like would have impact, but I didn't want to work necessarily in the program side, like actually in the in the programmatic operations of an organization, but I wanted to be able to put my skills and talents to use. And I don't know if y'all met me yet, but I definitely have the gift of gab and I love people. And so becoming a fundraiser, even though it wasn't necessarily like what I set out to do, it was an easy fit because I love people and yep, I loved money. I mean, like I love money. Even as a kid, y'all, I loved the freedom, the independence, the control that came from having my own paper. Okay. I Listen, my first job on the books was at 14. I know some of y'all out there like, me too, girl. <laughs> the only thing is, y'all, that money, oh my gosh, it burned a hole in my pocket, okay? As fast as I could earn it, I would have my eye on what I wanted to spend it on. You know, I tell y'all all my business. So by the time, you know, we when we get 100 episodes in, God willing, y'all gonna be like, I know all Kashana business. <laughs> my drug of choice Shoes. Mm. I just want to tell y'all, it really is not my fault. It's really my dad's fault. Y'all may have heard me say that before. This is a running family joke because my father is judicious with his time and his coins and he does not spend money all willy nilly. Okay. He's not cheap. Let me just be really clear. Like if you meet Bernard in person, you will see that man is, you know, he has got it together. He is not cheap, but um, he definitely is careful and, you know, he talks about how he grew up in the countryside in Jamaica and how they had to really kind of find a way to make one. And so I can understand how he came to his orientation um, with money. And yet he indulged his love of quality shoes through me <laughs> and definitely inspired my love of shoes. Ooh, y'all sliding on a pair of shoes as a young woman before church, like the new, new. And back in the day, y'all listen, don't let me get my hands on the new nine West. Okay. And Enzo. Okay. I thought I was fly. And, um, you know, I was, it was conservative. Let's, let's be clear. My mother was not letting me slide into the church doors with four inch heels on, but I was cute. But this is about money and not about shoes. So I digress. <laughs> but listen, y'all, growing up with divorced parents who were very super involved in my upbringing meant that there were a lot of conflicting and overlapping messages about every darn thing. And money was no different. 
I grew up hearing that money didn't grow on trees, but things magically appeared. Not talking about bills, but knowing enough to know, don't you give out any information if somebody called the house looking for one parent or another? I knew that you had to work hard for everything, but if you did it, you'd get what you set your mind on. And I knew that you should save for a rainy day, but also you only live once. My step pops, may he rest in peace, was king of YOLO, okay? And then there were things that I saw, but I didn't hear. Like how things were paid for, credit cards and like how to use them for real, for real. Investing beyond basic savings. I mean, you don't know what you don't know. Y'all, my money story was being written for me and I was just along for the ride. I believe that my money was my money. <laughs> you ever heard that? It's my money. Um, and I, I had to tithe and save. And I did that reluctantly. I mean, I was a kid, okay? But I mean, I worked for it. I deserved what I wanted, right? How many of y'all still have that attitude today? Am I, don't leave me out here hanging, okay? Am I the only one? No, I felt like I worked really hard for it. So I deserve to get what I wanted to get. Who knew that my money story was unfolding both right before my eyes and right underneath the surface? So it really should come as no surprise, y'all. I mean, like, think about it. When I went to college and I'm dating myself, but y'all already know I've been telling y'all about my business, that it was open season for us freshmen. And what was in abundance, y'all? Hello, credit cards and free T-shirts, also known as free money. I say that with air quotes, y'all, because was it free? How many of y'all know what I'm talking about? You're like, mm-hmm. Those folks were, they were waiting in the student cafeteria or in the student activities lounge, right out front with tables, um, with balloons and colorful shirts, just ready to give it away, along with signing away your life in exchange for a $5,000 credit card limit. So fast forward to today, what that did was leave in its wake, okay, like a tornado of damage around money and credit and and savings and trying to figure this out and put it back together again so that you can prepare for this magical land we call retirement, right? And it was a lot of what, but not a lot of how. And depending on how you grew up, maybe your family just didn't talk about this any at all, even if you grew up with money, I can't tell you the number of folks who I talked to that who grew up with means and their families still didn't have conversations about money. So do you know your money story, friend? What motivates you spending money or motivates your savings? What are some of the early experiences that are buried deep, deep in the recesses of your mind that are like the Oompa Loompas of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory controlling how you move what decisions you make, and your every impulse. Now, I don't know about you, but it would have been nice if there was a seminar, a class, a summer session, hell, even a module in B-School about dealing with my relationship with money. It wasn't until much later that I picked up my first book about money, and I think it was after I'd done an internet search for like Shopaholics Anonymous. Because y'all, I saw this special, I think it was on Dateline, um, maybe it was uh, seven or eight years back about folks who like successively spent on things and their house was full of things. This is like pre-hoarders, pre any of that stuff. And I was like, Houston, we have a problem because I was spending beyond my means and I couldn't even tell you 
why I was spending. And so it's been so nice if I would have had a little bit more of a foundation at some point, particularly because I went to a business school for God's sake. So I knew how to deal with finances and budgeting and P&L statements. And, you know, I was a whiz when it came to statistics and all of the things around the academics and the theory of math, but not about the real life application of money. And I think that's probably why I'm so obsessed with like real deal application of concepts now. Like if you can't break it down with a movie or a song or a poem or a lyric, I'm not with it because the reality is we're not walking through life with frameworks rattling around in our head. I mean, maybe there's a small percentage of us who are, but I surely am not. Anyway, I think that, you know, our relationship with money guides so many decisions that we make that don't seem to have a thing to do with spending a dime. In fact, our worth is tied up in it. Listen, don't look at your phone uh, saying, Mm-mm, not me, Kish. Yeah, you do, okay? Have you ever worked on a complex problem? Maybe your jam is like Legos, or maybe it's advanced puzzles. Mm, mind games? Okay, have you ever gotten really far down the road only to realize that you've gone too far and you need to start over, but you don't have the slightest clue how or where to begin? <laughs> Listen, y'all, this is a mess. I know right right now there is a couple somewhere looking at each other lost on their first road trip when somebody didn't want to use ways and somebody did. <laughs> so we we tend to we can find ourselves getting down that road, y'all. And going so far and really not knowing where to start over again. And so that was me with money. And when I talk to my clients and when I get into organizations, particularly when I'm working with fundraisers or when I'm in sales organizations and I'm working with sales teams, I am on a mission to get folks reacquainted with money. And I haven't, I don't have it all figured out. Let me just tell you, I am a living practitioner. Okay. Because it is a process that you've got to walk yourself through, but I had to get reacquainted with money. I felt like money was like a boy that I liked, that I chased heavily for years. And every time I got him, I had to use him all up. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. First of all, y'all know I don't really chase dudes, but I'm just saying, if I did, that's what it would be like. But I had to learn how to pace myself, to take it slow, to ask questions, make him work for me for a change, Okay. My whole mindset and approach to money and to my orientation around it had to change. And that's hard, y'all, when it is so like deeply ingrained in the fabric of our mental model and of how we were raised and of how we see ourselves, of our viewpoints and our values in the world. And so this is heavy stuff. This is why they pay the psychologists and the psychiatrists and the psychotherapists the big bucks, because this is not for the faint of heart. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back in a few. Love what you heard? Found a little nugget, but need more? Head on over to kishcamp.com. My masterclass for managers who are ready to do things differently at work and grow their skills so they can lead with confidence. Don't forget to subscribe, download, and leave a comment so we can keep the conversation going. Now, let's head back to take this offline. 
And so the reality is when you're raising money, so remember y'all said I spent most of my career uh, as a professional fundraiser. When you're raising money, you're literally in conversations with humans in the world, helping them to make investments in the things that they care about, where they live and where they work, where they used to live or where they used to work, where they want to live or where they want to work. And it's easy to forget that your money story is at play here too, because oftentimes you're so focused on your organization's mission and ensuring that you're bringing transformative resources into the organization that it is easy to forget. You are a part of the story too. Okay. Listen, I know somebody is about to write me an email because Uh, Everything we've been taught about service and selling is that the customer is always right. And so in the nonprofit world, if you are a professional fundraiser right now, there's like a a lightweight war going on between being completely donor centric and putting the donor at the center and being community centric, putting the community and the organization and its mission at center. Maybe we should tackle that on a different podcast episode because that is in of itself a whole thing. But in this moment, It's really easy to forget that as you are connecting with that donor, with that client, with that potential potential customer, with the person on the other side of the table, that in fact, you really want to be co-creating with them. And in order to co-create, you have got to come along with them. So you're a part of the story. And so it's kind of sort of erasing our whole story when we take ourselves out of it and think that we can just do the work and that we're not actually a part of the work. So if money's a tool and your toolbox is broken, how are you going to show up powerfully? Like, just let that marinate in your spirit for a minute. Where is the time to really examine this? Why do we wait and consistently wait until shit has hit the fan in our lives to do this deep work that so greatly affects every corner of our being. Let me just kind of just just, just bring it into your, into your ears for a second. If you don't believe that you are deserving of this raise, that if, you know, air quotes, they would see your worth, then you'd earn more. Do you think you're going to actually put down that kind of energy and walk into a room with folks you need to invite into your organization as a supporter? That's an example. If you take what's given to you and go home grumbling about how you are not appreciated, you're not recognized, you're not compensated, okay? How do you boldly ask that board member, that new donor, that corporate partner to invest, to take a bigger step, to be bold, to do more. How do you do that? You know, uh, listen, I'm feeling the, the, the whispers of imposter syndrome just kind of creeping up behind me in my ear and I'm telling them to sit down and shut up because if you are not able to address that one thing, then how do you consistently do the other over time? If you grew up hearing and seeing and believing that there would never be enough, okay? That's the other side of the coin. And there's never going to be enough. Is it really a surprise to you that you are nickel and dime in your organization? Proud that your operation is mean and lean and not being willing to take bigger bets on your people, on your mission and on your results? Scarcity mindset shows up there as well. 
when we have our tin cup out, um, please more bread, please. As opposed to being able to invite folks into our story because we deserve it. We've earned it. We've shown a way to it. And there's a place for them in it. Different conversation. So if you don't understand the root of how you move in the world as it relates to that tool, money, then the breakthrough is not really happening. It doesn't mean you're not going to be successful. Let's, let's keep it real. I've raised millions of dollars with a broke ass mindset. Okay. To be clear, millions of dollars. I've been able to thankfully move through different organizations and move up and sit in a C-suite for most of my career, which means my earning potential kept growing, which means I was compensated, maybe not comparably to other uh, teammates, but that's again, a different episode, but I was compensated. Okay. Some would say pretty darn well, and yet feel broke as a joke. Feel like I can't ask for a bigger gift. All of those things go together. There is actually a direct correlation between your money story and your ability to make moves in your career. And so, dear everyday leader, I want you to take some time. Y'all know I told you if you this is the first time you're listening to this podcast, and I need you to go back and listen to um, the first episode where I hung out with my dad to understand the sort of the, the values, foundational value set of what I'm about to say next. Get out your pen and paper and take some notes because. Your story, even from the point it is written right now, still has more to go. And it doesn't mean your story's over yet. But sometimes we're so busy trying to get to the end that we don't take the time to go back and read some pages back at the beginning to really get the context, to really get the nuance of what our story looks like for us now. And so as you're thinking about your leadership moves. What is the missing piece of your money story? What have you been ignoring? What have you been stepping away from and not thinking about and not focusing on because you're just darn busy? What are you scared of right now? Like what really has you shaken in your boots? Can you dig a little deeper and get down into the mix of that? Because really being able to get your mind right and get your money right and get that mindset right means that you're going to have your mind on your money and your money on your mind. But it is to what benefit? One, so that you can understand how things are connected in your personal world. Two, because your personal affects your professional every day. And three, Because you are constantly looking at the tools in your toolbox so that you have the right tools for the next leg of the journey that you are taking. And so I want y'all to be thinking about that as you think about where you are in your career right now. If you're a fundraiser listening to this right now, if you're a volunteer, if you're a board member, if you're an executive director and CEO thinking about starting your own organization, If you're sitting in a corporate job right now, but you want to have your 501c3 on the side, I want you to take a step back and I want you to really kind of go back to those single digit years, to those early years and start to narrate for yourself, write it down your money story, understand the patterns, understand how it shows up 
all the way through adolescence, all the way through your teenage years, all the way through undergrad to now in your adulthood. Because I guarantee you, you're going to start to see some threads there that you can pull on so that you are able to be able to go, ah, okay, okay. I see why I did that well. Ah, that over there might need some work. Ooh, I see why I make those kind of decisions. Okay, let me let me work on that. Let me figure that out. So that it puts you in a better position to live well and to lead well. All right, y'all, that's all I got for today, okay? I just wanted to get into money for a minute because I already know that some of the guests that I'm gonna be talking to um, over the next few episodes are gonna get all in our business. <laughs> and I know that that story, that money story, it, it, it attaches itself to so many things that we have to do in our day-to-day lives as leaders. And so I wanted to just just open the conversation. So I would love to know what you think we should be talking about around our money and our money story. You know, I'm happy to bring on in all the people, all the doctors and the psychologists and psychotherapists. I know I like to say that. So that we can really make sure that we are setting ourselves up well. Because I'm going to tell you out a real deal, okay, y'all? If you don't get your money right, and if you don't get your mind around your money right, it ain't going to be right. Okay. And if I didn't love you, I wouldn't tell you. So until next time, y'all, I want to make sure that you are subscribing, that you are downloading and you are telling a friend about what we've got going on here. On our next episode, we'll be digging into generational wealth as a person of color. Y'all know I'm black, right? You don't want to miss it because it's going to be a good one. So make sure you hit that subscribe button and I'll be talking to you real soon. better okay what up what up yeah that sounds good sometimes you need a little bit of okay we are recording all right